Well, please take your seats this morning. Great to see you guys in church today. And um, <clears throat> just wanted to thank the worship team again for doing such a wonderful uh, job of uh, leading us into the presence of God. They do that week in, week out. Fantastic. Of course, it's not just singing and playing songs. It's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the way that he would have us go. And uh, so that's fantastic. Well, this morning I want to continue on with this particular theme for this month. I want to talk about spirit-fueled prayer. And I want to talk about this subject in particular when you don't know what to say or how to pray. Now, I'm sure without a raising of hands this morning, I'm sure that anyone who has been on this journey of faith for quite a while, there would have been situations, there would have been circumstances along your journey where you didn't know what to say or how to pray. You got to that point, you were facing a circumstance, facing a particular situation and, and you, just, you just didn't know. You thought, well, if I pray this way, is that aligning with God's will for this situation? Or if I pray this way, uh, I just, just don't know. Well, the good news is this, is that when we are facing those sorts of situations, we can rely on the Holy Spirit. We can rely on Him. We're going to talk about that this morning. You know, one of the most blessed and holy privileges that you get as a pastor is to be able to come alongside families uh, and, and people who are passing on and, and coming alongside the family and being able to pray, being able to just minister encouragement and, and comfort through prayer. And while it's one of the most holy uh, privileges that I get, it's also one of the most difficult um, emotionally straining moments because more so than ever, you want to make sure that you're praying in alignment with God's will in those situations. Um, we mentioned uh, earlier today, I think in the prayer meeting, they mentioned about Maureen's family and some of them are here today. Maureen went to be with the Lord last week and the funeral is actually tomorrow at, uh, at uh, three o'clock. But, you know, when I went to pray uh, with Maureen and her family were gathered round, when I went to pray uh, beforehand, I had been praying in the car along the way, Holy Spirit, I want my words to align with what you want to say. I don't, there's so many different things I could have prayed. I could have prayed for healing because Maureen up until the week before had been quite, quite sprightly. She'd been doing okay. And I could have prayed for healing. I could have come against the sickness in her body. There's a number of ways I could have prayed. But when I was there with her and with the family gathered around, the Holy Spirit just said to me as clearly as clearly, she's ready. She's ready. You know, other times I've been in that same situation. I've been felt led to pray encouragement that God would give uh, whatever strength is needed in order to go through that, that journey, passing on into glory. There's been other times I've sensed an anxiety 
within the person there and, and being led by the Holy Spirit to pray for a divine courage for them as they enter into glory. There's been other times I've been led to give them permission to go. You know, they've just been fighting so hard because their concerns about family and loved ones and so on. It's almost like the Holy Spirit just simply said, hey, you can go. It's okay. It's okay. There's been other times that I've actually, uh, the Holy Spirit's encouraged me to actually pray for uh, the sick, to have strength to fight what they're, uh, what they're facing at that point in time. And by God's grace, I've seen uh, deliverance and I've seen people brought back from that place. Holy, blessed, uh, the closest to God moments. If you've ever been in those situations, you know what I'm talking about. Closest to God moments where the Holy Spirit leads our prayer. Thank God for Spirit-led prayer. Thank God for Spirit-led prayer. I know that there are many times in life that you don't know what to say or how to pray. I've been there and confusion seems to reign. Your decisions vacillate. You, 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 you're like a swinging pendulum. And you end up either praying two ways, I find. You end up either praying uh, the cop-out prayer or the drop-out prayer. The cop-out prayer is, well, Lord, your will be done. The drop-out prayer is, I don't know what to pray, so I just won't. And I believe that that isn't the place where we need to go. What do we say and how do we pray when we're just not sure? And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to open up a passage, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 29. Same passage that Pastor Alan spoke from last week. And I want to draw out some truths from that particular passage. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, that's a good place to start. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. <clears throat> and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and accord according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It's important to look at scriptures in context and the context here is, is Paul is sharing how that we can live a spirit-filled life. And then he says, for example, let's consider spirit-filled prayer. 
And so this passage is about spirit-filled living, but he says, let me give you an example about uh, spirit-directed prayer. So he's saying that there is a wider context here, but there is a practical example when it comes to prayer that can unlock some principles of the way we should live our life. And so let's have a look at what Paul says in Uh, these scriptures here. The first thing there that strikes me is he says, he helps us in our weakness. Other translations use the word distress. The Holy Spirit helps us in our distress, helps us in our weakness. So the first thing to remember when we want to pray this kind of prayer is that just ask for the Holy Spirit's help. That might sound a little bit simplistic today, but how often do we just launch out into prayer without considering, without seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance? And so just ask for the Holy Spirit's help. You see, prayer was never meant to be a man-made expression to twist God's arm to respond to the need. How often we do that? Well, if I pray in a certain way, then I might be able to use the right words. I might be able to use the right eloquence in order to be able to twist God's arm to respond to the situation. You know, I, I don't know that prayer is so much to do with eloquence. Jesus said these words, he said, When a son or a child comes and asks you for bread, you won't give them a stone. And I don't know about you, but I've had children, my own children, and now grandkids who have asked for a number of different things at different times, and eloquence doesn't necessarily have much to do with it. I think of my grandkids, and quite often the way they ask for something is to point and say, more. Or to point and say, Papa, please. Or to point and just go, (laughs) not much eloquence about that. (laughs) And the point is this, is that there will be times that we just don't know what to say or how to pray. There'll be times when the words that we have seem so frivolous or inconsequential, they fall so short of what we're feeling and what we're trying to process inside of us. But we can ask for the Holy Spirit's help. This means we wait on the Holy Spirit to direct our words our thoughts, our actions, our inner turmoil to the Lord. You see, the difference between self-led prayer and spirit-led prayer is that we aim for mind-filled eloquence while the spirit aims for heart-filled relevance. And so how do you pray being led by the spirit? It means waiting. It means meditating on him. It means engaging his presence and being silent before him. You know what? It takes time. It takes time. 
And can I encourage you this morning, if you're not sure what to pray in a situation or how to pray in a situation, can I encourage you, take the time to ask for the Holy Spirit's help. What does that look like? Simply looks like this. I go to a place where I can't get distracted. Sometimes I just lift my hands like this. And I say something along the lines of, Holy Spirit, I don't quite know what to pray in this situation. But I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait in your presence. And I'm going to wait for your still small voice to speak and bring direction and clarity to that situation. So Paul says in this example of prayer to firstly ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Then he says this, and I'm reading that same verse, verse 26 from the Amplified Bible. It says, we do not know what to pray, to offer, or how to offer it as we should, is what the Amplified Version says. Now, it's not just about what we pray, but how we pray. How we pray. I found that eventually... Over a period of time, our head can get around what it is that we're asking for, what it is we're believing for. But, you know, we give very little attention to how we should pray for it, how we should pray for it. No doubt we've got our particular way of doing things. No doubt we've got our particular way of praying and coming before the Lord. But let me tell you, there is another dimension to what we pray. It's how we pray, how we pray. You see, self-led prayer considers what's on the list, but spirit-led prayer considers how to effectively pray. How to effectively pray. Let me read to you a, another well-known verse on prayer. It's from James. James chapter 5, verse 16. I'm sure that many of you are aware of this verse. It says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What a great prayer. What a great verse. Now, I want you to notice something here. This is from the epistle that James wrote. James, the brother of Jesus. Out of this epistle, it's, it's the most practical epistle in the Word of God. Out of 108 verses, 54 of them are direct commands. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. James is very practical. He's very down to earth. And in this book, James, the practical apostle, he teaches not so much on what to pray for, but how to pray. How to pray. Do you know that tradition, according to second century writers, there is a tradition that James was actually called old camel knees they had nicknames back then (laughs) he was called old camel knees we find it written in second century writings why did they call him that because they said he was so often on his knees in prayer that his knees were deformed by it isn't that amazing 
So James knew something about prayer and he says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So what's he saying here? He's saying, well, these could be some of the ways that you need to pray. Perhaps confession is required. Perhaps there's a coming together in a united petition. Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So perhaps there's a united petition needed. Perhaps the focus needs to be clearly and specifically stated. He mentions healing here, but perhaps it's for breakthrough. Perhaps it's for deliverance in a certain area. Perhaps there needs to be a shift in earnestness, in passion and in intensity. Other translations use the word, instead of earnest, use the word fervent. The fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, it says, and perhaps there needs to be a fervency. Perhaps there needs to be a zealousness. Perhaps we need to step up and not be so reserved in our prayer. Perhaps there first needs to be a cleansing and a repentance in righteousness to see God's power on display. talks about the righteous person. 2 Chronicles 7.14 certainly supports this. It says, if my people, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, there is a calling to righteousness. Perhaps there needs to be a rising in expectation and faith to claim and declare the wonderful results, as James says. Perhaps there needs to be given testimony of what God has done because When we give testimony of what God has done, there's something that takes place in the testimony that says God can do it again. And so we need to consider not just what to pray, but how to pray. How to pray. And of course, when we consider how to pray, it needs to be spirit-led. I remember once, many years ago, a pastor friend of mine, we were in a church prayer meeting and there was a particular lady that uh, we were praying for. She had cancer. And my friend, Ken, he, he was asked to come out to the front and he was asked to pray for that particular need. And he started praying. Now, you would think he would start praying along the lines of, Dear Lord, I pray for sister so-and-so. And, you know, we pray for healing. We pray that God will touch her body, Lord, that there'll be a good report next time. she goes. There's a number of ways. But as he started praying, it was like this spirit came upon him to pray against cancer. And he started claiming and declaring authority that God's power is greater than cancer, that he is bigger than these things. And he started attacking and addressing cancer. And all of a sudden, this corporate anointing in that building came upon uh, healing. And there were many people who responded to need for healing. and, and, And something broke out. Why? Because the Spirit led him how to pray in that particular situation. That's why we need to be sensitive as to how to pray. Here's the third thing in this passage. Sometimes the burden is the prayer. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
Sometimes the burden is the prayer. It says this, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You see, there are times when the weight, there are times when the burden, the the heaviness of the situation literally robs us of the ability to express what's going on. I've been in situations like that and, and the burden... The heaviness of that particular situation. I I just don't know what to pray. It robs me of my expression, my verbal expression. It's so heavy sometimes that uh, I haven't been able to speak. But the good news is this, that that doesn't phase the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Who takes the burden on with us? Groanings that cannot be expressed in words you know I've woken up sometimes at all sorts of weird hours with a burden to pray for someone or a particular situation and it's been so heavy that I just can't even speak it's like there's been an intercessory yearning or there's been this cry within it's been like you're standing in the gap but sometimes you don't even know what you're standing in the gap for you're just standing in the gap You know that God's put this burden on your heart and you're just wondering, okay, well, I don't know what to pray, but but I'm standing in the gap in carrying this burden. There are times when I may be able to speak in tongues in that moment and I think that's a wonderful avenue in prayer, to be able to speak in tongues. There's times that all I can do is speak the name of Jesus. Particularly if there's a battle going on. Particularly if there's a sense of of the enemy coming against a particular situation or person. And it's almost like you can feel that. And so what do you do? Sometimes all you can do is, is speak the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. But sometimes I just carry the overwhelming burden in my spirit. I I ponder, I meditate, I think on these things until the burden lifts. Until it lifts. The spirit groans, it says. I looked at the meaning of that word groans. It means to moan, to grieve to sigh with you in common calamity. That's what it means. It's like that person when you're carrying something, you're struggling to carry a a burden. It's like that person who, who runs alongside and bears the load with you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I remember going back a few years ago now, we were having a prayer meeting in the church here and I'd just gotten back from Perth to visit my mum and dad. Now, many of you will know that my mum has since passed and she uh, was in a nursing home with Alzheimer's. And I'd just come back from Perth and it was the first time that I'd been over there and I'd realised that she didn't know who I was anymore. And at that prayer meeting, I I just felt to pray for various uh, healings and, and different miracles and people were praying for different things. And I just felt to pray for those uh, who were struggling with Alzheimer's and, and their families and the peace and the, and the struggle with that. And I started praying and I said this, I said, 
Dear Lord Jesus, I pray for those families and those people who are struggling with Alzheimer's and I couldn't get any further. I just started getting so overwhelmed and I, I tried again and tears rolling down my face. I, tried to, I, I couldn't say a thing. Couldn't say a thing in that situation. The burden, it was like a big sob in me. And at that prayer meeting, Ros Kirk was there. Ros is here today somewhere, I'm sure. But Ros Kirk was in that meeting. And you know what she did? She, she actually came out and she took the mic from me. And she finished the prayer. Because for those that know Roz, uh, she knew exactly what to pray about because of her experience in assisting with palliative care and Alzheimer patients over the years. And, 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 and so she just finished the prayer for me. Thank you, Roz, for doing that. But, you know, it's, it's such a picture of what the Holy Spirit does. Such a picture of what he does for us. And I just want to encourage you this morning when you're burdened with such pain that all you can do is sob, all you can do is cry, you can't express the words to that situation. Know that the Holy Spirit puts his arms around you and he sobs along with you. What a beautiful Holy Spirit to share in our distress and to bring comfort in our distress but you know he doesn't just do that because the next thing it says is this the spirit pleads for us in harmony to God's will the spirit pleads with us in harmony to God's will let me tell you a passionate translator makes all the difference you see when it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to us through the Spirit, it makes perfect sense to God. I've had the opportunity a number of different times to preach with a translator. When I was in China, preaching in the underground church, uh, having a translator. When I was in Mozambique and preaching with a Portuguese translator, Queensland, uh, places like that. <laughs> Only joking, Queenslanders. <laughs> you know, sometimes if the translator just speaks the language but doesn't show the intent of what you're saying, it can feel like there's this big gap. It can feel like it's, it's just not connecting. It can feel like, I don't know whether these people are getting it or not. I don't know whether they are understanding what I'm saying. But let me tell you, when you get a passionate, zealous translator who pleads and bleeds your message like you do, there's this instant connection and it's like you're talking firsthand to them. You see, self-led prayer can often be confused or become unsure by my will. But spirit-led prayer always aligns itself to God's will. You know, it's one of the reasons why I will often speak in tongues while being led by the Spirit. I, I believe it will help me to align with God's will. So the Spirit pleads and bleeds the message and the motive of your heart to Father God. Isn't that beautiful?
Isn't that incredible? And then it says this. What a wonderful verse. One of the most quoted verses amongst Christians. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What a beautiful verse. You see, when we don't know what to pray, but we're praying this spirit-led prayer, we can expect that all things work together for good. For good. It is, in fact, one of the most misunderstood verses of the Bible. Because, as I said at the beginning today, we need to read the Word of God in context. We need to read it in context. The fact that this verse says, and we know, is saying, well, take notice of the previous verses. Because it's intrinsically connected to those verses. And we know, therefore, because we've done this, we can believe for that is what the context is saying here. The context is in living the spirit-filled life and in particular, what happens when we pray being led by the Holy Spirit. And so here's the understanding that I want you to uh, get from this particular verse. It's when we pray being led by the Holy Spirit... God causes it all to work for good because of our love for him and praying according to his will. That's what it's saying. Now, is it wrong for us to go around claiming all things work together for good? Not necessarily because we understand the nature of God. We understand that he wants all those things in our lives to work together for good. But here's the thing. Some are claiming the promises for good but not praying as they should. You see, if we want all things to work together for good, then we need to be praying. We need to be coming to the Lord in prayer. If you want to claim it according to his will, then you need to pray it according to his will. And so that means being spirit-led. Being spirit-led. The last thing from this passage this morning. It finishes with this thought that we have been chosen to become like the Son, Jesus. We've been chosen to become like His Son. And I want you to be encouraged today because when we pray this kind of prayer, it's actually making us more like Jesus. It's making us more like Him. So in the context of what's being said here, what does it mean? Well, a few verses later, in verse 34, Paul says this, It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Remember, we're talking about prayer. And so what's Paul saying? He's saying, 
Listen, just as Jesus Christ is in heaven making intercession for us, when we pray being led by the Spirit, there is power and we are becoming like Jesus in intercessory prayer for others. Wow. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Wow. Just think about that when we pray. When we are led by the Spirit in our prayer, we can learn to pray like Jesus who is our intercessor, who is our mediator. And let me tell you, when we pray like that, prayer always has powerful results. Spirit-filled prayer is power-packed prayer. So let's summarise this morning. When we don't know what to say or how to pray, We ask for the Holy Spirit's help. We don't just look at what we pray, but how do you want us to pray, Lord? We recognise that sometimes the burden is the prayer. The Holy Spirit translates and aligns our prayer to God's will. And therefore we can expect all things to work together for good and as we pray this way we become more like Jesus wow that's powerful prayer amen let's just close our eyes for a moment as I was preparing today I just felt that some people were being challenged to keep being led by the Holy Spirit in your prayer. There might even be some people facing situations and when I mentioned the cop-out prayer and the drop-out prayer, you thought, "Uh uh-huh, I know exactly what you're saying there, Pastor John. But you're feeling... The Spirit stir you today to keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep waiting on the Lord. Keep asking the Holy Spirit for His clarity and His direction in that particular situation because He has the answer to it. I also felt that there were some other people today And you were actually comforted by these words. You were comforted by the words when I said, sometimes the burden is the prayer. Because you've been carrying a heavy burden. You've been carrying something in your spirit. And you're not sure which way to pray. But the fact that you've been carrying that burden in your spirit and you haven't let that thing go and you've been meditating on it and you've been bringing it to the Lord with your cry or your sob or your despair 
or your distress or your weakness. God's saying to you, take heart because you've been praying. You've been praying. You've been praying. It may not have been with words, but you've been praying. I just want to pray for those people this morning who just feel challenged that, you know what, I'm going to keep pressing in in prayer. Be led by the Holy Spirit in my prayer. And I also want to pray for people who have carried the burden, the sob, the cry. Often I find it's in intercession for loved ones. Might be a daughter, a son. Might be a husband, a wife, a family member. It might be a colleague who's going through hell. If that's you today, can I ask you to just stand where you are because I want to pray for you today. Why don't you stand to your feet now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding us. Thank you that we can come to you for help. And Lord, I pray for every person here that is standing. It's almost like I'm starting to feel the weight of some of your prayer. Starting to feel the burden that some of you particularly have for sons and daughters spouses Holy Spirit you take our sobs and our groanings our hurt and our pain and our disappointment and our weakness and our distress. And you carry that load with us to the heart of God so that what's going on aligns itself with God's will and purpose. Lord, I pray for every person here today who is standing. And we raise up that silent prayer to you. And we say, thank you that you're working. 
thank you that you're doing things. Thank you that your spirit is moving in ways that we can't necessarily comprehend. But we know. We know because of our prayer, because of the cry of our heart. We know that all things work together for good. For those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Thank you, Lord, that even now, for some, the burden is lifting. And you're replacing the burden with a sense of peace. A sense, once again, that you're in control and you're at work. And so ahead of time of the miracle, ahead of time of the testimony, ahead of time of the breakthrough... We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. What a beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit here today. Wow. Let's be encouraged, church to pray being led by the Holy Spirit if we don't know how just ask just ask him because he has the answer to that situation